Flight Studios. Bud Light, easy to Sunday. KKSE-FMHD1, Broomfield, Denver, Boulder. Here it comes. Here comes McKinnon. He's on a breakaway. Avalanche and Kings, Wednesday. He's gone! Nuggets and Lakers, October 24th. All up in your face! The Abs and Nuggets play here. Let's go, Denver! Oh, my goodness gracious! This is Altitude Sports Radio, 92.5. Here's Nate Kreckman and Andy Lindahl. Yes, Craigman and Lindahl. By the way, I don't do a lot of Grohl heads know this as we're giving away Foo Fighters tickets. The bump song that we play every day at five o'clock. That is them crooked vultures. Dave Grohl on drums right here. Deep cut for you right there. Spring little side project action. Yeah. Mm hmm. It's the uh, he it was it was the dude from Queens of the Stone Age and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and Dave Kroll. I don't think they ever put out a second album, by the way. I really wish they would. Anyway, that was Music Trivia with Nate Kreckman. Right now, it's time for the five biggest stories of the day from around the NFL. We've got football news. Mark Springer is going to be teeing it up. And then in a change of course, in a change of plans for today, Mark Springer will also be reacting to the news along with me as Andy Lindahl is uh, not feeling his best. Let's do this, Spring. Time for the high five brought to you by bet three, six, five, whatever the sport, whatever the moment it is never ordinary at bet three, six, five and uh, Sean Payton talking to the media today. We finally have some clean audio of uh, some things he said today. Uh, first injury updates. Javante Williams practiced in full today. Sean Payton said that if the Jets game was a playoff game, it's possible that Javante would have played on Sunday. Uh, but they decided to play it safe and hold him out. I don't think the Broncos are going to be having any problems with playoff games either. None of them are going to be <laughs> no. in that sphere. Uh, Greg Dulcich, though, the tight end, was uh, he has been designated to return from injured reserve. Uh, doesn't mean he'll play on Thursday, but... Uh, should they choose to activate him, he uh, he is available if he is good to go. Uh, Baron Browning, my dude, Lloyd Cushenberry and uh, Mike Purcell and Justin Simmons uh, were all limited today. Uh, also, our friend Nick Cosminer asked Sean Payton about the trade deadline. It is exactly three weeks from today on Halloween. Here is what Sean Payton said about that. George and I talk every day, three, four times a day. Um, we're not looking to do business with, with any of our players. That doesn't prevent teams from calling at times, you, you know, and so, um, you know, we just, you know, you pick the phone up, but um, that's kind of where it's at. And, you know, we've got a good handle on this current roster and then our vision for the roster a year from now. And, and you know, that's, that's the part about improving and getting better. But, um, you know, until you just said it, I, I wouldn't have known it was three weeks away. I mean, I, three weeks seems like, in eternity right now so yeah i gotta go with not buying it i'm gonna go with not buying that he says we're not looking to do business with any of our players you literally traded a player last week you traded the uh, second highest paid player on your defense last week so you can't act like uh, trades whoever thought of a trade you just consummated a trade last friday to send randy gregory off to san francisco now look 
I just sounded like Sean Payton right there. You you do need to not have that be an edict from the organization, and Sean Payton is the voice of the organization. Like, you have to hold together some semblance of a locker room right now. So, sure, I get that part of it, but the acting stunned at the existence of a trade deadline, you've played exactly five games, you've been a head coach in the NFL for 16 years, you know exactly what part of the calendar the trade deadline is going to fall. You know exactly what your record is. You should know exactly how limited your draft assets have been in recent years because that's the roster that you have right now. And really how you still need to add more draft assets in the coming years. Like if Sean Payton is the overarching voice of this organization, the way that it seems that he is and the way that he claims to be, um, he needs to be on top of these things. And I really hope that was just lip service for his locker room and not some eh, trade deadline. Who the hell knew? You should know, my guy. Is that also a leverage thing with other teams? Like, oh, we haven't, not, even, we haven't even thought about trading trade Jerry Judy here. And if you want our precious Jerry Judy got to give us a third not a fifth because we're not even thinking about trading him you should be taking every last call of course they they are. and they should be making calls right uh -huh. now they should want and maybe not right now but here's the other thing is like somebody could get hurt somebody could you could suffer an injury like Now's the time, my dude. You're one in four, and you're about to play the Chiefs True. twice in three weeks, followed by the Bills, okay? Yeah. Now, hey, maybe you can be competitive against the Packers. They just lost to the Raiders. So there isn't much going on right there, but you should get active on this thing as quickly as you possibly can. No, the last thing you need is for Judy's hamstring to flare up again, you know? Um, who's the GM of this team? Sean Payton or George Payton? Uh, Who has yeah. final say? Yes. Um, Sean Payton does. Uh-huh. I don't... It's final say. Here, let me give you the technical answer on that. Greg Penner has the final say. Because according to Greg Penner, George Payton works for Greg Penner. Sean Payton works for George Penner. Or Greg Penner. Okay? That's, that's what he said that is supposed to be the organizational structure here. But also, Sean Payton is, get, is the one getting paid $18 million a year on a five-year contract, okay? He's the one that's not going anywhere anytime soon. These are going to be Sean Payton calls. And Sean Payton, let's be fair to Payton here for a second. Sean, he's looking at this roster, and he's got to recognize, I can't win with this crap, okay? I need to get dudes that I want inside the building. High five. Uh, how about another newer owner to the NFL, David Tepper, the newer owner of the Carolina Panthers, and he hired Frank Reich in the offseason to be his head coach. Uh, Frank Reich talking to the media. I'm going to play a couple cuts here. Here's the first one. Uh, it is the, the question is about his relationship with David Tepper and how their meetings and their relationship, uh, how they go. You know, miss, talk to him every week multiple times you know usually talk either monday or tuesday after a game and um you know he's super competitive he wants to bring a winner to the carolinas he's um you know wants it now you know wants it now and and pushes me and pushes us to that end um, he wants to do whatever it takes and turn over every stone churn it as much as he has to 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 produce winning football so um, I appreciate those conversations. They're always very challenging. Um, he's a super competitive person, and um, he's not going to sit idly by. 
Uh, Follow-up question uh, a, a few moments later, Frank Reich was asked, uh, in the end of his answer there, he said those meetings are challenging, uh, they're in-depth. Uh, what did he mean by that? Well, listen, I don't want to speak too much for him, um, obviously, but, you know, there's different philosophies in ownership. You know what I mean? Some owners kind of stay stay away and and don't engage a whole lot. Other owners do. And his philosophy is he's going to engage. And, um, and listen, it's only been a short experience, but it's been a really good experience. It hasn't been fun. You know, it's not fun. Those, those meetings aren't, I wouldn't characterize them as fun meetings. Um, but those meetings make me better, and I trust they make us better. David Tepper is one of the newer owners in the NFL. As is, you know, Josh Harris with the Manders, as is the Walton Penner group here with the Broncos. You know, so many of these organizations, they have been owned forever. In the case of the Panthers, it was creepo Jerry Richardson and his family that owned the team forever. But you got to remember, like these guys, when, when they bought these teams, NFL franchises, they were going for exorbitant prices at that time. Um, typically when these guys got teams, you know, 150 million, 200 million dollars, whatever it may have been that they dropped to acquire these teams. And now those same owners, the asset that they acquired has appreciated in value so greatly that these investments are now worth well again taking the case of the manders didn't dan snyder buy that thing for 180 million or something like that so turned around and sold it for six billion like that's you you nailed it okay that's that's basically a perfect investment one thing that i do wonder about is for the owners of today the new owners of today guys that paid in the billions in the b word billions to acquire their teams is is there going to be less patience with those guys you know what i'm saying like these aren't i do these aren't family investments Mm -hmm. that they've lived with and that they've sort of gone through the ups and downs and the cycles that come with owning an nfl team these aren't the roonies or the maras or in a previous iteration, the Bolins that we talk about here. This isn't the Kraft family, the Jones family, those sorts of things. These are dudes that were dying to own an NFL team, that were dying to get into the club, were willing to drop massive piles of coin to be able to get those teams. And I don't know if you can do that and have the patience for it to take a while to become good. Like, David Tepper should know. Bright, you, you have a first-year head coach. You have a, a first-year quarterback in Bryce Young. You know, you went through the weird cycle of coming off the Cam Newton years and everything else like that. You had Baker Mayfield in the door last year and Sam Darnold and all the weird stuff that that organization has sort of been going through. Like, you should know this is building and it's going to take a while. But instead, I think that David Tepper is probably watching television going, well, C.J. Stroud looks good. Looks fun to be the Texans. Hey, look at what D'Amico Ryan's doing right now. Why doesn't my team look like that? Don't they know I dropped $3 billion for this thing? Yeah, I think that just because you were very successful in whatever business field it was that netted you multiple billions of dollars doesn't mean that you're going to have a true mind 
for building an NFL team and an NFL roster. I, I NFL owners are just super fans, really. If you think yeah, about it, that's really all they are. But they, I feel like they think because they were so successful in one field right. that therefore they're success. They can be successful at anything. There's that too. And they think, oh. I have the magic touch. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as trading a first round pick to move up to first overall and drafting Bryce Young. It's as simple as hiring Sean Payton, let alone trading draft picks for him. Right. Because he's a future Hall of Fame NFL coach on paper. That might look great, but you might not have the binocular microscopic vision to see the deeper issues with your team and, and know what's actually going on I, there i think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying spring i also think capital p patience mm -hmm. is just one of the biggest things of sure we have to let this play out right now before we get too terribly impatient mm. and you know the walton penner group has they've already gone through one head coach they Paid an exorbitant fee. Sure. They're paying Sean Payton more than any other coach in the NFL right now to get him in the door. They're paying a massive pile of money for a quarterback in Russell Wilson that is not bringing victories to their team, even though I do believe that Russ has done a couple of things that have been a little bit better this year. But overall, he's still not playing up to his contract. You know, do does this ownership group, are they going to have the wherewithal to see it through? Um that that's that's what remains to be seen before getting too impatient about all of it but god did you see mark davis in the box last night just grousing about mcdaniels and his stupid decisions granted mm -hmm. why is he kicking a field goal right there why are you kicking a field goal on a fourth and short at midfield and then giving him that field position fortunately you were playing jordan love high five uh, let's talk about another owner. This one, one of our favorites. I mean, Jerry Jones. Um, so the Cowboys are in Los Angeles taking on the Chargers Monday night football quickly for the Chargers. Austin Eckler has been out uh, with an injury. He says that there is a 99% chance that he will be back for that Monday night game. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys are coming off that embarrassment in San Francisco. Jerry Jones went on 105.3 in Dallas, and he was asked if Dak Prescott is still the guy he believes in. No, the results are very obvious. We haven't won a Super Bowl. Uh, we've had good, would you agree that we've had good games over yes, the years? absolutely. Okay, and we've had some bad games. Do you know any team that hasn't had that happen to them? Nope. Now, consequently, I will say that we haven't gotten our big years when we should have. We've been real close a few times and haven't gotten our big years. Uh, those, that's not excuses. That's not anything. But if you think for one minute that there's any particular thing that I could put my f finger on that basically says we need to do that differently, we need to do that differently, uh, that then it's combinations of things. Uh, Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl, and uh, uh, that's, that's the way that's going to be. Uh, we have uh, other quarterbacks on that roster. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, players that uh, certainly, if something should happen to Dak, but I want to be real clear, uh, Dak's very capable of making this team be where we want it to go. Not with that, head Coach. He's not. You watch that game on Sunday night. To me, and, and look, the, the Niners are freaking loaded. 
But the most glaring difference in a 42 to 10 game on Sunday night was one team had Kyle Shanahan, the other one had Mike McCarthy. That's it, yes. man. That's you. What are you doing? Why are you employing him? And you canned Kellen Moore, who I think is a good offensive coordinator and is doing good things with Justin Herbert and the Chargers at the moment. Ooh, interesting. I didn't even connect those dots. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Kellen Moore Bowl. We coming got a, up we got a revenge game coming our way. Very much so. Cowboys are in danger of falling to three and three. Yeah. It, Mike, Mike, first off, Mike McCarthy, he admitted that he lied to get your job. He was like, oh, I went to went to PFF and I watched on film every single play of the last NFL season, which I don't even know if that's humanly possible. But he claimed that he did. And Jerry Jones bought it and he hired the guy. And now he's just doubling down on the mistake over and over and over again, changing out an offensive coordinator as though that's going to fix things. No, Mike McCarthy's just a bad head coach. And that's the guy that you're employing with a very talented roster around you. Now, you've had some bad injuries. You've had bad luck on that side of the ball. Van Der Esch is the latest example of that on the on the defensive side of the ball. But the Cowboys shouldn't panic. They're absolutely a playoff team. They're not going anywhere, though, with that guy as their head coach. No, they're not. Um, and, you know, we, we knew that was a bad hire from the start. I've been counting down the days until they fire him. Um but there's not many Kyle Shanahan's either who can turn Brock Purdy into what he's become. I mean, Dak is Dak, you've said this many times, Nate. You, you, you can't do better than him. No. If they moved on from Dak Prescott, they wouldn't get as good a player. I, I don't know how you improve upon that. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the short term. One of the, the the and here's one of the key differences between a Kyle Shanahan and a Mike McCarthy. Okay, it is that Kyle Shanahan took Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a perfectly fine NFL quarterback. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan made him a good NFL quarterback. Brock Purdy is a perfectly fine NFL quarterback. I think Kyle Shanahan is turning him into a great NFL quarterback right now. Nothing special about him other than he's accurate. He just makes right decisions constantly. But that's what a coach is supposed to do. He is supposed to elevate players above what they would be capable of reaching on their own. And McCarthy has shown no evidence of being able to do that with Dak. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can always think of like a counter to a counter to a counter, though. And maybe there's an answer for this. Why mm -hmm. couldn't Kyle Shanahan do anything with Trey Lance? I don't know impatience maybe mm. or maybe trey lance is just a bum he's just not good at all it, it, it very well could just be that that he's just a dud that he that you saw nothing but ceiling when you drafted him and he just turned into his low floor and his confidence is absolutely sure. shot and he's not capable of being able to be that guy now here's the thing maybe in maybe again in the right situation with the right coach that is fully bought in but the other thing was the the problem they had with trey lance is dudes just kept winning other guys kept winning in san francisco and i don't think that helped anything look at baker mayfield in tampa right now okay you can resuscitate careers, but you got to be in the right situation and have the right belief. Our buddy Paul Klee of the Gazette is going to join us when we come back. We're going to talk Broncos, we're going to talk Nuggets, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the sad news, the passing of Brendan Malone today, the father of Michael Malone, but the great Brendan Malone passing away today at the age of 81. We talked to Paul Klee all about that next. Kreckman and Lindahl, Altitude Sports Radio, 92.5. This is what the Jordan rules were. On the wings, we're going to push him to the elbow, and we're not going to let him drive to the baseline. Number two, when he's on top, we're going to influence him to his left. 
When he got the ball in the low post, we were going to trap him from the top. Well, that's the Jordan rules, and it was that simple. What happens when he does make it? That's when Lambeer and Mohan would go up and knock him down to the ground. The great Brendan Malone, championship assistant coach with the bad boy Detroit Pistons. And yep, that was the other part of the Jordan rules. When playing him straight up doesn't work, when freezing him out doesn't work, when trying to keep the ball away from him doesn't work, beat the hell out of him. Brendan Malone, legendary NBA assistant coach for a couple of years, head coach for a couple of years with the Toronto Raptors, uh, father of our buddy Michael Malone. All of our condolences to the Malone family today at the passing of Brendan Malone at the age of 81. Joining us right now uh, to talk about uh, Brendan Malone, his legacy, in the sport of basketball, plus all other things, my old buddy Paul Klee of the Gazette joins us right now on the Ramos Law Hotline. Paulie, how are you, buddy? All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. I appreciate you having me on to talk about a great man. Yeah, you um, – and for people that don't know, Paul Klee is the best basketball writer in this market and, and a guy that – you know, Paulie's style isn't just a – suck up to the superstar it's i want to know the assistants i want to know the scouts i want to know the guys that are in there doing the dirty work every single day and paulie look brendan malone was a guy that he was a head coach for a while in the nba and he's a revered assistant but brendan malone was the kind of guy that i think reporters knew you want the the actual stuff of what's going on. This is the guy that I talk to because he knows everything. Yes, that, that's a really, really good way to put it, Nate. Um, I was listening to that clip there. Um, it's it's uh, I don't know how to put this. This is a very special man. Um, I told Michael the other day, it was like last week, that he made a mistake giving me Brendan's phone number seven years ago. Um, I, I call this guy and he didn't know me from Adam. We got to know each other really well. Um, he would break down games. He would break down players. He would, uh, pass along things that he was telling Michael when they were going through a difficult time or when they won a championship. Um, and he was just a wealth of information doesn't even begin to describe how this man knew ball. And not only that, but he was willing to share that knowledge. And it wasn't a case where he's worried you're going to share something in public or you're going to tell something. There was, he was an old school ball coach um, that just, he could talk ball any time of the day, any time of the season. Um, and he was just a, just a fantastic man. Uh, very close with Michael. Um, I would imagine that uh, this is an extremely difficult day for Michael. Um, you know, during the postseason, two times I asked him about his dad during this championship run, and both times he came up to me and said, you got to stop asking me about him because you're going to make me cry, and I'm, I'm supposed to be a tough guy. Um, so they were extremely close. And obviously the first guy that, that Michael called after they won game five was Brendan. Um, I talked to him that night as well and the next day, and – he was so proud, man. He was, uh, 
But you know what? You know what's funny about it is the first thing he, out of his mouth is, "Okay, now they got to win the next one," mm-hmm. and here's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because he won back to back with with Detroit, of course. Um, but he laid out everything of how Michael needed to do it. He said, "You're going to have a target on your back. Your off season's really short, and your players aren't going to like that. And now there's a book on you." Those are the three things. So um, a delightful man, you know, serious New Yorker. Um, <laughs> knew a lot of people in basketball. Here's a good one. Uh, in the days that followed the Nuggets winning uh, this year, you know, guys like Tom Thibodeau called him. Uh, players, current players, Tobias Harris called him. Uh, Patrick Ewing called him up. These are, you know, from decades of ball. Uh, we're so happy that Brendan's son had won a championship. So um, what a legacy that he does leave behind. You know, Jeff Van Gundy made a point anytime Van Gundy was doing a Nuggets game, and I loved Van Gundy as a color analyst. I think ESPN screwed the pooch royally on that one. But Van Gundy would make a point to talk about Brendan Malone, um, a man that he worked with and that he learned so much from. Brendan was, of course, an assistant on on Stan's staffs, on Jeff's staffs. Um, just so much respect between those two families that are sort of sort of basketball royalty right there. You know, Paulie, let's let's go back. And it's a rich career, Brendan Malone, and a guy that just you know traveled the basketball world, so to speak. But going back to the to that Pistons team, and Scott Hastings talked a lot about it earlier today, and I, I thought he did a very great job of it. But for younger basketball fans, because we're 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 now the older basketball fans, Paulie. Um, <laughs> The legacy of those Detroit teams, of, of Chuck Daly's bad boy Detroit Pistons teams that had Hall of Famers and Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and just role players for days that knew exactly what their job was and what it had to be. I don't know if that was ever the most talented team in the NBA, but they were always the toughest out and you can't tell the story of the NBA without that team. And to me, you cannot tell the story of that team without Brendan Malone. Yep. That's, that's so true, man. And, and here's a good one during the uh, Western conference finals. I caught up with Joe Dumars actually. And he, he was telling a story about he had ESPN on in the background in his office, but he wasn't looking at it. And he heard a voice, you know, it was Michael Malone on TV and he, he's listening to it, and he said, I thought I was listening to Brendan Malone. It, it's just a carbon copy of his, his, that raspy voice, uh, the way he talks, um, the way he explains things. You know, you know, we're pretty lucky here in terms of media with Jared Bednar and Michael Malone because Michael Malone will give you a great answer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't dodge anything, um, and he'll explain things. So, uh, and go back even further, Nate. Like, you know, Brendan worked with, he worked with Patino back in the day. You know, he worked with Jim Beheim back in the day at Syracuse. He was with Van Gundy with the Knicks. You know, Brendan recruited a Sweet 16 team at URI at Rhode Island. It, this goes back, you know, with legends of the game, and these are not guys that play a finesse style of ball. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to confuse Patino with playing in the, you know, the West Coast Conference or, or the WAC. You know, and that's that's what he came up through. He, he started in the CYO, the Catholic Youth League, out in uh, New York. 
Um, I want to say he told me once he coached against Kareem, or maybe Kareem might have been before him in the CYO, but everybody knew this guy. And they were so thrilled that he got to experience, and now when you think about it, the timing of it, um, Michael Wynn and his son winning an NBA title um, after he won a couple right before he passes, um, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. But I love the – it's not his coaching tree, but a certain type of ball coach would hire Brendan Malone because they knew that he would bring an element that maybe they lacked or that they really emphasized, whether it was Patino or Bayheim or Chuck Daly. Uh, they liked that type of ball that he taught, and nobody taught it better than he did. Again, we're talking about the sad news of the passing of Brendan Malone, the father of Nuggets head coach Michael Malone, here on the Crackman and Lindahl Show. Paul Klee of the Gazette joins us on the Ramos Law Hotline. Car accident, you need Ramos Law, medical doctor and attorney, RamosLaw.com. You you talked about his his teaching style a little bit before, but as, as you have covered Michael and gotten to know him very well over the last several years, um, and as you got to know Brendan, what else can you say, like, when you would watch Michael Malone, watch the way that he coached, watch the way that he handled things, like, okay, that was directly from his dad? <laughs> That's a good one because I, I could think of what it is. It's He had to subdue his own sensibilities. Michael did. Mm-hmm. He's not a – you know, they play beautiful basketball. The Nuggets play – it is just aesthetically as pleasing as ball can be. And he had to change what he grew up with. He had to roll with it a little bit where you can give up 125 and still win. You know, that, that flies against what Michael Malone, the way he was brought up in the game, um, the way he was taught. He always, he always says, you know, Brendan is the best coach he's ever known, his dad. And so he had to subdue those sensibilities and let the, the, the real personality of these nuggets uh, kind of glide. They had to let Jokic be Jokic. And Jamal takes some bad shots every once in a while. Michael Porter take a lot of bad shots once in a while. He had to be okay with that, and he had to change. He had to adapt to the personality of the team, and he did it so perfectly this last year. Um, but I, I remember one conversation with Brendan. We were talking about the Jordan rules because the nuggets were about to play James Harden. And I wanted to know, would you do anything similar with Harden that you did with, with MJ? And he went on this you know, long explanation of it perfectly. You know, there's differences. There's same things. He'd obviously thought about this because those are the things he thinks about. And then he came up with, you know, they're going to have to do something like that with Jokic. We're going to have the Jokic rules in, in, here in a couple years because nobody can figure out exactly what to do with him. And he didn't really have an answer for what to do with Jokic, just like nobody has an answer. So, um, like all good things you write or you say, it came from someone else, but he came up with the Jokic rules. And um, I think we, we're seeing now that you can throw Anthony Davis at him, you can throw Bam Adebayo and Miami at him, it's not going to matter. People are going to have to figure out what to do. Um, but... Yeah, Brendan Malone, um, he, had a, he had a game plan and he had a scheme for every type of player, and uh, he was such a great help. And I, I do believe that, uh, well, I know for a fact he didn't miss a Nuggets game this season. He saw every single game they played this year. Um, and he said he was more nervous watching this Nuggets team than he ever had been coaching on his own. 
I know that feeling. Yeah, our buddy Paul Klee is with us right now. Gazette.com, read his stuff right there. Uh, Paulie, on Jokic, um, word out of San Diego, jovial, in good spirits, ready to get the season going. That's the word on Nikola Jokic. Uh, Malone talked about it. Michael Malone talked about it. We were worried about homesickness. We have really not seen many traces of that. He seems thrilled to be here. We all followed the summer of Jokic from afar, um, but at least so far, and I want your thoughts on this, it seems as though um, Nikola Jokic is wearing NBA champion and best player of the world He's wearing those mantras, it seems, rather comfortably. Isn't it interesting? Um, the only bummer, really, is he's not a 25-1 to 1 betting long shot anymore. I know. Those, I were, know. Uh, those were nice those days. Those were good days. Those days. I do. Yeah. I did enjoy the other day when um, someone asked how many times he worked out and played ball in Serbia, and, <laughs> and Jamal Murray kind of laughed and said he didn't. Right. Um, and then and then Aaron Gordon, they're talking about the workouts they had in Serbia. Nate, I saw what they were doing in Serbia. They were not in a gym. So um, <laughs> I think Jokic is the last guy you got to worry about. Uh, I really do. I think he's probably going to play himself back into shape. And, you know, come January, February, he's going to be a, a nightmare to deal with again. But I, I, I see what you're saying. I didn't expect it. I thought there might be a little bit of a championship. I don't know if hangover is the right word, but is that – is that drive there anymore? And it sure looks like it is, at yeah. least to this point. Yeah, seems to be the case. Nuggets and Suns tonight right here on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Uh, Paulie, real quick, you uh, you went down to Sean Payton land today and got a look at uh, that whole thing. How is it? How's the mood? And what can still happen here over the last 12 games of this season that does something positive towards making the Broncos somehow closer to being a playoff team again. Oh boy. This conversation was going so well. <laughs> I know um, we were having fun talking hoops. <laughs> well, I think it's got to start with M and M, you know, McLaughlin and Mims, uh, Marvin Mims had a rough one the other day, but McLaughlin's so much fun to watch still. So I think it's the young guys. You see some development there, but I don't, I don't see a path, you know, I, I, whenever you think of something positive, I look at the schedule. Um, I don't think they've beaten the Packers chiefs or bills since 2015. Oh, good. I don't, I don't. And those are the next four games. So I'd have to look it up. They didn't beat the bills going up there. They beat the Packers that season. And then they lost the Packers in green Bay and they definitely hadn't beaten the chiefs since then. So those are your next four games. Um, I don't see a path to victory Thursday night. And, you know, the Chiefs got something to play for. I don't want to call it an apathetic locker room here in Denver, but, boy, it is, it is a moody locker room in there. So I think this is about to get really rough in Broncos country over the next couple of weeks. As if it hasn't been already. Yeah, gazette.com, everybody. Uh, Read Chris Thomason's Broncos coverage right there. Read Vinny Benedetto's excellent Nuggets coverage right there. And, of course, always read Paul Klee. He is on Twitter at ByPaulKlee, gazette.com. That's where his stuff is available. Man, Paulie, that was good stuff. Thanks, buddy. You're the best, Nate. Talk to you soon, man. All right, Paul Klee with us right there. Just really, 
really lovely words there about Brendan Malone, a guy that was a, a basketball coach through and through. And of course, uh, everybody here at the Crackman and Lindahl show, our deepest condolences to the Malone family. Paul Klee joining us courtesy of the Ramos Law Hotline. Car accident, you need Ramos Law, medical doctor and attorney, RamosLaw.com. Text Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Jump on the Sean Mazda text line. 303-504-0925. Shop Mazda. One price, one person, one hour. Tonight, Nuggets Suns pregame. Coming up here at 8 o'clock right here on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Game number one of many broadcasts we'll be carrying here on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5 as we get the preseason underway this evening in Phoenix. The Nuggets just wrapping up training camp there in San Diego. All reports are the vibes are good, as well they should be when you're the NBA champs. Basically, your entire roster outside of Bruce Brown and Jeff Green is back. You have promising young talent and a starting five that is the best in the entire sport. Life is good right now for the Denver Nuggets. So today, NBA.com released their annual GM survey. Yes, all 30 NBA GMs filling this out. And boy, it's nice to just flip through this and realize that everybody now knows the Nuggets are awesome. There's no more question about it. They just went through a 16-4 run on the way to an NBA championship. They are awesome. And indeed, question number one, which team will win the 24 finals? The Denver Nuggets tied with Boston as the favorite, getting 33% of the vote. Boston getting a 53% share of the vote as the best team in the East. The Nuggets getting 70% of the vote as the best team in the Western Conference. Tied with Boston as the favorites for the GMs mm -hmm. to win the finals. I said this on the Blitz last night, and yep. I'm, I'm only half joking I'm ruling out the Celtics because Jalen Brown put his shorts on backwards in that preseason game. That's, that's it. That's you, a problem. You do not bounce back from that. You put your shorts on backwards once it's over. Um, now, Kristaps Porzingis did look good in that game. It is a scary lineup on paper. Um, Drew Holiday. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that's the one that I I aired a lot of concern about the Celtics without Marcus Smart. I yeah. think they, I think they upgraded. Sim I, similar players, but Drew has won a championship. Yep. Uh, Universally yeah. liked uh -huh. around this sport. Excellent perimeter defender. You don't really trade anything away there. And Drew Holiday can shoot a little bit. Mm -hmm. with, with the Damian Lillard trade, because, you know, the, the Bucks are the other team, obviously. Yep. Bucks get 23% of the vote. They finish in third. You know, I, I didn't like the Lillard trade at first until I saw what Portland was able to flip Drew Holiday to Boston for. Then it made a lot more sense to me. It's a good trade for them. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Who will win the MVP? Jokic, the favorite at 43% of the vote, ahead of Giannis at 20% of the vote. This one to me is very telling. If you were starting a franchise today and can sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Number one on that list, Nikola Jokic, getting 33% of the vote. Number two, Victor Wembenyama, getting 23%. Of the vote. He is generally viewed as a can't miss prospect. But if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic is number one. He should get 100% of the vote. Well, it's an age thing. 28. And Wemby's 19. Right. 
You get, so there you go. You get a little bit longer of a runway yeah. with Wemby, but also Nikola Jokic is going to have the Nuggets contending for the next four years. Yes, and he, I mean, you could have a trash roster, but as long as you have Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. he will somehow make your average players outkick their coverage. He he does that. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? Steph was number one at 40%, uh, percent. Jokic number two at 33%. Maybe a little bit of it is to Paul Klee's point in the last segment. What is the adjustment you make for Nikola Jokic? Throw different coverages at him as often as you possibly can to try and throw him off balance. I don't. It doesn't work. You can you can't hurry him up. Mm-hmm. That's the whole key. Like you can't hurry him up, and he's never. You can never take away enough space on the floor for him to be uncomfortable. Well, and I get it with Steph. Now they're completely different players obviously but Steph is getting older he's now in his mid to late 30s yep. um and Jokic yeah what do you do he's a tank who also has the footwork of I don't know a pristine ballerina that footwork <laughs> is amazing best center in the NBA GM survey NBA.com Jokic 93% of the vote whoever voted for Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid just be fired from your job immediately okay Highest, uh, no, 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 that one's kind of lame. Who cares? Um, here we go. Best international player in the NBA, Jokic, 80% of the vote. Luka at 10%, Giannis at 7%. Ooh, I need to look at this final score. Um, why is Doncic getting more votes than Giannis in that? Let's see here. Um, oh man, it don't have it up here. Uh, the Mavericks played Luka's former team today, Real Madrid. Dude, Dallas looks terrible. I know it's a preseason. But they got destroyed by the Wolves twice in the preseason. Um, and they just played Real Madrid today. I saw Real Madrid was winning in the first quarter. Good. They actively tanked away their season, and I want them to lose. <laughs> Resigned Kyrie Irving. Who is the most versatile defender in the NBA? No Nuggets got into the actual ranking, but in the also receiving votes category, Aaron Gordon got a vote. A little bit of recognition for AG and his ability to basically be able to guard two through five on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Draymond is still coming in second at 23%. Yes. I mean, he's good. He's still good, but he's also getting older. There's reputation that goes into all of that. Best head coach in the NBA, Spolster getting 73% of the vote. Michael Malone coming in at fifth at 3% of the vote. Hmm. Michael Malone is always going to suffer from not being a great in-game adjuster. But oftentimes, and we especially saw it in these playoffs, he didn't have to be because his team was imposing their will on the opponent, and Michael Malone is an excellent game planner, an elite game planner in terms of getting his guys ready to play a game. I tell you what, he's just not famous enough. Maybe that's what it is. What head coach runs the best offense in the NBA? Mike Brown at number one, Steve Kerr at number two, Malone at number three. Well, yeah, you have Jokic. <laughs> That's, <laughs> I don't want to be dismissive, but you've got Jokic, okay? Which active player will make the best head coach someday? Somebody voted for Jokic. Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> if he wanted to be. Right, it's, he would never... 
There is no planet. He would actually be an amazing head coach there if he wanted to be. No planet on which he would even entertain the notion of thinking. Nikola Jokic might never set foot in a gym again the moment he retires from basketball. Would Nikola Jokic coach his daughter's basketball team? I don't think he would. <laughs> I don't think Do he, you think would. he wants his daughter to play basketball? No, he wants her to ride horses. But that's a future first overall pick in the WNBA draft. Without a doubt. If they chose that route. What team is the most fun to watch? Nuggets getting 30% of the vote, number one on the list. What team has the best home court advantage? Nuggets at 37%, number one on the list. Which team will have the league's most efficient offense this season? Nuggets number one, getting 34% of the vote. Yeah, they, they'll they be top three all year long. If they don't end up being number one, it's just because they get bored. Uh, some of the more fun ones right here at the very end. Best passer in the league, Jokic at 67% of the vote. That's criminal. He should have gotten 100% of the vote. What player is the best leader? LeBron, number one at 27%. Steph, number two at 23%. Jokic, third on that list, getting 17% of the vote. I am very happy that he is getting that kind of recognition, that his leadership is getting the kind of recognition it deserves because that man, he sets the agenda for that basketball team. He does run the show. Finally, which player has the best basketball IQ? Nikola Jokic, number one on the list at 50% ahead of LeBron James, who has basically been number one for the entirety of his career. Nikola Jokic is, without a doubt, the best mind in the game today, and he has taken that torch from LeBron James. NBA.com and the GMs finally getting their stuff together and recognizing the brilliance of Nikola Jokic. That will do it for the Crackman and Lindahl Show here this afternoon. Our thanks to our buddy Andy Lindahl. Did I talk out the entire fade-out music? Hey, uh, Josh on the text line mm-hmm. says Facundo Campazzo hit the game winner for Real Madrid against Dallas today. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> it's good to have Facu back in our life. We're dude, back. The Mavericks, dude. We're back I tomorrow like that team. at 3 o'clock here on the Craigman and Lindahl Show. We're one day closer to... Broncos Chiefs. Yay! But we'll be talking about all of it. We'll be talking about this Nuggets Suns preseason game and so much more uh, tomorrow on the Crackman and Lindahl show. Thanks again to our buddy Paul Klee. He was terrific talking about the late great Brendan Malone today on the show. For Mark Springer, for Andy Lindahl, I am Nate Crackman. Have a great night, everybody. The Odd Couple is next. Nuggets Suns at 8 o'clock.